I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 1 Kings chapter 15, beginning with verse 25, down through the end of chapter 16. And also we're reading 2 Chronicles chapter 17. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. We begin our reading today in verse 25 of chapter 15 with a big change in Israel. Verse 25, Now Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of his father, and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin. Then Baasha, the son of Ahijah, of the house of Issachar, conspired against him, and Baasha killed him at Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines while Nadab and all Israel laid siege to Gibbethon. Baasha killed him in the third year of Asa king of Judah and reigned in his place. And it was so when he became king that he killed all the house of Jeroboam. He did not leave to Jeroboam anyone that breathed until he had destroyed him, according to the word of the Lord which he had spoken by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. Because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he had sinned and by which he had made Israel sin, because of his provocation with which he had provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger. Now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? And there was war between Asa and Baasha, king of Israel, all their days. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, Baasha, the son of Ahijah, became king over all Israel in Terzah, and reigned twenty-four years." And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin. Well, there still hasn't been a godly king in Israel, and by the way, there won't be. Jeroboam's son, Nadab, becomes king of Israel, and of course, he's bad too. Then Baasha kills Nadab and subsequently turns loose on all of Jeroboam's descendants and kills them also. Well, I guess no more kings from Jeroboam. Just by the way, as the prophet Ahijah had said would be the case back in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 14. And why is that? Well, the answer is in 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. Jeroboam was evil in the sight of God, stated again here in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 30. Now it's King Baasha, and of course, he's bad too. Just couldn't bring himself to serve God. It just never became a tradition among the kings of the northern kingdom to forsake idols and turn to God as the only one true God. If you're looking at the written notes and keeping score, we have in the yellow box there a summary of king number two of the northern kingdom from 910 to 909 B.C. His name was Nadab. And the good, no good, he was just evil. And then we have a reference there, 1 Kings 15.26, to the bad. And this marks the end of the first dynasty of the newly formed northern kingdom of Israel. Then we have a summary of king number three uh, over northern kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel, from 909 to 886 B.C., and his name was Baasha, and good, nope, no good, just evil, and the bad, 
summarized in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 34. So we begin reading now with 1 Kings chapter 16, and we see that God's not happy with Baasha. Verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha, saying, Inasmuch as I lifted you out of the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam, and have made my people Israel sin to provoke me to anger with their sins, surely I will take away the posterity of Baasha and the posterity of his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Baasha and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the fields. Now the rest of the acts of Baasha, what he did and his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So Baasha rested with his fathers and was buried in Tirzah. Then Elah, his son, reigned in his place. And also the word of the Lord came by the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha and his house, because of all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, in provoking him to anger with the works of his hands, in being like the house of Jeroboam, and because he killed them. Well, could the prophet Jehu have given a more negative prophecy concerning King Baasha of Israel? He declares that his lineage won't continue as kings over Israel. Is it any wonder that the Israeli kings hated God's prophets? His condemnation by the word of the prophet was because of Baasha's treachery and general state of evilness. He's followed by his son Elam. We're now into the second dynasty of the newly formed northern kingdom of Israel, and this dynasty will soon close out with the death of Baasha's son Elam. That's what we read about now. In verses 8 through 14 of chapter 16, the short reign of Elah, verse 8. In the 26th year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, the son of Baasha, became king over Israel and reigned two years in Terzah. Now his servant Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him as he was in Terzah, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arzah, steward of his house in Terzah. And Zimri went in and struck him and killed him in the 27th year of Asa king of Judah, and reigned in his place. Then it came to pass, when he began to reign, as soon as he was seated on his throne, that he killed all the household of Baasha. He did not leave him one male, neither of his relatives nor of his friends. Thus Zimri destroyed all the household of Baasha, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke against Baasha by Jehu the prophet. For all the sins of Baasha and the sins of Elah his son by which he had sinned and by which he had made Israel sin in provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Elam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So here we have Baasha, he dies. And Elah, his boy, becomes king of Israel, but only for two years. Zimri, one of the Israeli army commanders, kills him and takes over as king of Israel. And while he's at it, he also wipes out the entirety of Baasha and Elah's male descendants to put to rest once and for all the prophecy of Jehu against Baasha. This slaying of Baasha's male descendants is expressed in a very interesting way in the Hebrew text. Now, of translations and wide usage today, only the King James Version keeps the Hebrew phrase intact in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 11. That's exactly how the Hebrew phrase identifies these male heirs. And if you want to know what that is, look at the written notes of BibleTrack.org and you'll see. We're told in verse 12 that this treachery was in accordance with Jehu's prophecy declaring the end of Baasha's dynasty. 
In addition, we see that Zimri not only slays the male heirs, but also Elah's other male relatives and even his male friends. So we have then a summary of King number four of the Northern Kingdom in the written notes of BibleTrack.org from 886 B.C. to 885 B.C. His name's Elah. Any good? Nope, no good at all. And his bad is summarized in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 13. And this marks the end of the second dynasty of Israel. Boy, they come and go fast, don't they, in the northern kingdom. So then we have Zimri, a fantasy vacation or king of Israel. Verses 15 through 20 of chapter 16. In the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri had reigned in Tirzah seven days. And the people were encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. Now the people who were encamped heard it said, Zimri has conspired also and has killed the king. So all Israel made Amri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. Then Amri and all Israel with him went up from Gibbethon, and they besieged Terzah. And it happened when Zimri saw that the city was taken, that he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house down upon himself with fire and died. Because of the sins which he had committed in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin which he had committed to make Israel sin. Now the rest of the acts of Zimri and the treason he committed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Well, he became king of Israel, all right, but only after he killed Elah and took it. Ocean cruises last longer than this king over Israel. After just seven days, Amri takes over and Zimri commits suicide. He was evil for those <laughs> whole seven days. Whoa, Israel's northern kingdom is a tough place to serve as a king. Last king only seven days. It seems the moment you get the crown, someone is after your head. The dynasty math gets a little fuzzy here. Zimri was king, sort of, but only for seven days after he killed Elah. Then Amri, who became the next king, was not related to Zimri. So would you call Zimri's seven-day reign a, a dynasty? Since the definition of a dynasty is the succession of rulers from the same family, I guess the seven-day rule of Zimri by himself doesn't really constitute a dynasty. So for seven days, I guess we're between dynasties number two and number three in the northern kingdom of Israel. We have a summary of king number five, who reigned only for seven days in 885 B.C. His name is Zimri in the northern kingdom. Any good about him? Nope, all evil, and that evil is summarized in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 19. Then in verses 21 through 28, Amri moves Israel's capital, verse 21. Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Ginoth, to make him king, and half followed Amri. But the people who followed Amri prevailed over the people who followed Tibni, the son of Ginoth. So Tibni died, and Amri reigned. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Amri became king over Israel and reigned 12 years. Six years he reigned in Terzah. And he bought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver, and he built on the hill and called the name of the city which he built Samaria after the name of Shemer, owner of the hill. Amri did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all who were before him. For he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Amri, which he did, 
and the might that he showed. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So Amri rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. Then Ahab his son reigned in his place. Well, here the divided kingdom gets divided again, but not for long. After the death of Zimri, it says half of the people followed a guy named Tibni. However, Amri's people overcame Tibni's people in less than two verses, as a matter of fact, in this passage. And Amri becomes the undisputed king of the northern kingdom. King Amri buys land and builds his new capital city, Samaria, named after the guy, Shemer, from whom he'd bought the land. He reigns in Israel for twelve and a half years, and of course, he was evil also. He just wouldn't serve God. So we have summary number six of the sixth king over the northern kingdom of Israel from 885 to 874 B.C. His name was Amri. Any good? Nope. Just evil. And the bad is summarized in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. Now, by the way, we are into the third dynasty of Israel, which continues through 2 Kings chapter 9, ending, by the way, with Amri's great-grandson, Jehoram. Then, beginning with 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 29 to 34, we have a record-setter. He's King Ahab, verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Amri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Amri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Now, Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, he set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. So Amri's boy Ahab becomes king of Israel. His wife Jezebel helps make his reign a notable one. Jezebel's father was Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. Sidon, the home of the Sidonians, was a Philistine city north of Israel on the coast. Now, why don't parents name their daughters Jezebel? As we read, it may become apparent. He and Jezebel were way into Baal worship, built a worship center to Baal in Samaria. He also set up a wooden image. The Hebrew word there is Asherah, which was actually a wooden image or pillar representing Ashtoreth, a sensual Canaanitess goddess. In pagan society, she often served as the female complement to Baal. In gleaning from the usage in the Old Testament, it's commonly believed that Ashtoreth was the proper name of the goddess, while Asherah was the name of her symbol or image, which was constructed of wood. Ahab and Jezebel had no use for God or the things of God. Ahab rebuilds Jericho despite the prophecy of Joshua against doing so in Joshua chapter 6, verse 26. That verse says, And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho, he shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. And just as the prophecy had stated, he loses his eldest son and youngest sons, just as Joshua had said. 
Ahab and Jezebel are two very colorful and evil figures in Israel's history. Ahab is credited with a unique distinction in verse 33. It says, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. How's that for setting records in the record books? Then we have uh, a summary of the reign of king number six over northern Israel, over the northern kingdom. Uh, That's from 874 to 853 B.C. His name is Ahab. Any good? Of course not. But the bad is summarized in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 30 to 33. That brings us to our 2 Chronicles 17 reading, where we are introduced to a king named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat becomes king over Judah, the southern kingdom. Verse 1, Then Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set up garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had taken. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat and he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders, Ben-Hael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathanel, and Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, Shemaiah, Nathaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Shemaramoth, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah and Tobadonijah, the Levites, and with them Elishama and Jehoram, the priest. So they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tribute. And the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful, and he built fortresses and stored cities in Judah. He had much property in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. These are their numbers according to their father's houses. Of Judah, the captains of thousands, Adnah, the captain, and with him 300,000 mighty men of valor. And next to him was Jehonanan, the captain, and with him 280,000. And next to him was Amasiah, the son of Zichri, who willingly offered himself to the Lord, and with him 200,000 mighty men of valor. Of Benjamin, Eliada, a mighty man of valor, and with him 200,000 men armed with bow and shield. And next to him was Jehazabad, and with him 180,000 prepared for war. These served the king, besides those the king put in the fortified cities throughout all Judah. So while the northern kingdom was screaming through a line of kings, the southern kingdom gets Jehoshaphat as their king. Mentioned first in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 24, as the successor to his father, Asa. Jehoshaphat was a good king, and his dad Asa was also early in his reign. Like his dad, he got rid of the high places at the beginning of his reign, but we see in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 33, that they later reappeared and he let it go. Fighting idol worship was a constant uphill battle among the Jews. But look at Jehoshaphat's army. 
I count it to be altogether well over a million strong. No wonder all the kings around were sending gifts. He was zealous in the ways of the Lord, even sending priests and teachers out to the people of Israel to teach them the ways of the one true God. Jehoshaphat stays around through chapter 20, by the way, and he gets a lot of coverage in First and Second Kings as well, from 1 Kings chapter 15 all the way through to 2 Kings chapter 8. That's when his son Jehoram begins to reign. So we have a summary of king number four over Judah in the yellow box that uh, is next in line on the written notes of BibleTrack.org. His name is Jehoshaphat. The good king Jehoshaphat reigned from 873 B.C. down to 848 B.C. The good is listed there in uh, 2 Chronicles 17, verses 3 and 4, and 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 32, and 1 Kings 22:43 and 1 Kings 22:46. But there is a little bit of negative press on Jehoshaphat as well in 1 Kings 22.43 when it says, Nevertheless, high places were not taken away for the people offered and burnt incense yet in the high places. That's later on, by the way, which we also see in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 33, when it says, Howbeit the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not prepared their hearts unto the God of their fathers. So Jehoshaphat spent a lot of quality time around the notoriously evil king of Israel, Ahab, and that's another negative uh, on his chart. But we'll say that for the most part, King Jehoshaphat was a really good king of Judah. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.